And even when I did see my graduation speech, I worked on it so hard and I was booed in front of thousands of people. I was booed and I didn't hear it. And I always like to make that joke. I'm sorry, you can't hear much of the hate when you're on top. Welcome to The Defense Never Rests with Morgan and Akins, your monthly dose of uncommon sense about all things legal and some that are not. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of The Defense Never Rest. I am your host, Trisha Baxter. Today's episode, we're talking with somebody who is so inspiring, a 19-year-old college student getting ready or hoping to go to law school one day when she started applying for law, law school internships and got rejected for so many. She took the bull by the horns and created her own virtual internship program at 19 in the middle of COVID. So we're going to talk to her. She's a first-generation immigrant. We got her backstory about how she moved from Sri Lanka to the United States at the age of seven and her experience through the American education system, how the parts that she liked, the parts that she didn't, the bullying, and how she really handled uh, how people bullied her on speech and the color of her skin. Fascinating story, positive, upbeat, motivated. I learned a lot from her today. So without further ado, welcome to the podcast, Amisha Dalwis. Well, hey, Amisha, I'm so happy to have you on here. Can I just say how impressed I am with your motivation and your utter positivity on social media. I've seen you, I come across, you reached out and connected with me and that message that you sent to connect with me was personal. It was positive. It said a lot about who you are. So when you reached out to me about this podcast, I was like, yes, I want her on. So welcome aboard. Thank you so much for having me. Also, I'm really glad to hear that you liked the note. I always take time to research a little bit about the person before I connect with them. So I'm just glad that that is something you remember. Yeah, and and that speaks to the importance of a really personalized note because Mm -hmm. so few people do it. And it's kind of like the written thank you note, which is a dying art that you do that and you really stand out. So I immediately remembered you. Very, very clearly. So let's talk about uh, your journey a little bit, your backstory and, and what, how, wh- what you're doing now and how you got there. Yeah. So I am a junior. I guess I'm a rising junior now. That's so weird to say, but I am entering my last two years at Pepperdine University and I'm studying both computer science and philosophy. And I always like to start there because people are always confused as to why I'm studying comp sci and philosophy. And the reason for that is, if anything, our world is just diving into the tech field faster than ever. And I knew that regardless of what career I wanted to do, I really needed to bring that technology aspect into it. So I fell in love with computer science. I've been coding on the side, and that's something that I do want to pursue. But that's just the professional, I guess, introduction that I usually usually say. I'd say for me, I decided to join LinkedIn, just spur of the moment, decided to do it this January, thought, what a great New Year's resolution. And I started posting, I started commenting, I started reaching out to people. And eventually I realized just the power of LinkedIn. And that's when everything started and Lawyer Up started. And I'm sure we'll talk about that later on as well. But I decided that if you don't have the connections, if you don't have the rich family to you know, help you get into the colleges of your dreams or help you get into the jobs of your dreams, Sometimes you just have to create your own connections. And now that LinkedIn is 
like I always say, popping in our social media world as well. That's just our way of doing it is for those who are coming in from a first generation background, are coming in from a harder socioeconomic background like I am, we don't let that stop us anymore. If anything, we just let that drive us. And every day I wake up, I go on my feet and I see countless stories of people taking their weaknesses and changing it into strengths. And that's probably the best thing, honestly, about my journey and also what I've seen portrayed on LinkedIn that I've started to love more than anything. That's amazing. Like if I had that figured out when I was 20, I would, have, I would rule the world right now, I think. Like, <laughs> the fact that you have that figured out I think it's awesome. So I love that. Um, are you planning on going to law school or are you just using the tech side of, of what you know to get into the legal field? I would love to go to law school. That's definitely a dream of mine, but I can't ignore the fact that it costs so much money to go to law school, especially in the United States. And a lot of law students tend to say, okay, it's okay, it'll be worth it. I'll make a six-figure salary, I'll be able to pay it off. But the more that I talk to lawyers, the more I realize that's not necessarily the case, that even if you do go to law school, get in debt, 200,000, 300,000, you'll still be working a majority of your life, maybe the first seven to 10 years trying to pay that off. And some people don't pay that off in the 10 years. So I'd love to see if there's a way that I could possibly use my tech side to get into the legal field without having to go in debt, but we'll see where life takes me. I always keep an open mind of anything that comes my way, but at the moment, yes, definitely law school for me. Well, good for you. And uh, I think that is such a good mindset. I've count, not counseled, I don't want to say the right word, but I've had these conversations with people going into law school and they're like, I could go to this A1 school or I could go to this lower tiered school, but I can probably get a scholarship. And I'll say, listen, take this with a grain of salt, go to the lower tier school and get a scholarship. Like if you can get someone else to pay for your law school, when you, and, and then you capitalize on those three years in law school to to really be able to leverage yourself on the way out and get out without debt, you have so many more opportunities. Like when I left law school, I really wanted to work for the DA's office. And then I saw how much they made. And I'm, then I compared it to what my student loans were. And I'm like, yes, I could forbear for a couple of years, but wow, I, I, if I don't forbear, I, I can't work there. And so it was, you know, student loans are, are a handcuff situation. We could probably do a whole episode on that, but we won't do that too today. But I do want to back up and talk about your story because you are a first generation immigrant. Is that right? Right. That is tell, us, tell us about your family's background. Yeah. So I was born in Colombo, Sri Lanka. A lot of people don't necessarily know where that is and it's okay. I won't be mad. It's an island right off the coast of India and very similar cultures, but also very distinguishable in a lot of ways. And I was there during the Civil War. So in a lot of ways, I remember my childhood being, okay, school is canceled, stay home. There would be sirens playing because the government said, look, there's a terrorist LTE plane flying above your house, please stay home. It's a lot safer for you. So that's a majority of what my first childhood memories were. But my parents went up above and beyond to make sure that that wasn't the only thing that affected my childhood. So I still remember the play dates, the fun times, the parties, um, the birthday gifts, and they did an excellent job really trying to cover me from everything that was going on in the outside world right across the street, honestly. So it got to a point where our education system was really fluctuating because of the war. And we decided, look, we're going to try to 
go to America, go to Australia, go to the United Kingdom, whatever it is, let's just try. And there were times where we did apply and unfortunately we were rejected because my parents don't have any college degrees and in order to come to a developed country a lot of people don't know that you have to have certain skills that will contribute to that country's economy and at that point we didn't have any of that so we decided okay let's do the green card lottery and i believe there's I feel like it's 75 million if I'm not wrong as to how many people do it every year. And only about 50,000 get chosen. And wow. and that was, that's a less than 0.00001% chance of even getting it. And we beat the odds and we won the green card lottery. And in a year or two, my parents pulled me out of school, homeschooled me and we moved the transition to America. And after that, I just, I loved it. And I've never looked back. And as much as I miss home, being a first generation immigrant, and also knowing that I beat those odds, I'm not necessarily scared to go for other things anymore, because I've already beat what most people don't beat. And I did that when I was seven. My parents did it for me, thankfully. So now a lot of people will ask me, aren't you scared to post on LinkedIn? Aren't you scared to do this? Aren't you scared to create a business? Aren't you scared to go to law school? No, not anymore, because if anything, my parents have created such an incredible vision of what bravery, bravery looks like. And for me now, if we beat those odds, there's really nothing that I can't beat, or at least I keep that mindset so it doesn't stop me from continuing on. So yes, I'm a first-gen immigrant. I have that all over my LinkedIn. It's something that I'm very proud of, something that I think will definitely define me for years to come. So you came over when you were seven? Yes. Okay. Where did you, where did you move first? What, or where did you move? So I moved from Colombo to Los Angeles. Yeah. And that's where you've stayed since then is in LA. In LA. Yes. So it's at seven, you still, you, your, your mentality at that point is that you understand what's going on. Like you're picking up from your home and where you left off to an entirely different country. Most people never know what that feels like. What was it like for you? Well, I'll be honest, my mom told me that America had snow and Sri Lanka didn't. And I said, of course I'm gonna go, let's go. I wanna see snow. Little did we know she was taking me to Southern California. So it's been, what, 12, 13 years? I'm 19 now. And I have not seen snow in Southern California. So she definitely was smart in that way and trying to bring me over here by using my seven-year-old seven brain to trick me into thinking that there was snow. But I understand why she did it. And I remember mostly what was difficult was the idea that my family wasn't with me. So a lot of times when I was in Sri Lanka, I actually had difficulty in learning my name, in writing, in reading. And a lot of the teachers there told my parents, you know, this is not a student who will thrive. This is not a girl who will be successful. You should consider putting her in a special class, in a speech class. And special education, as most people refer to it in America. And my mom said, oh, no. Mm -mm. And she dragged me out of that class. And she homeschooled me for a year. And every single day, morning to night, just read books over and over and over again. And it ended up being perfect timing because I remember in Sri Lanka, everybody overlooked me. Nobody gave me the time of day. People thought, oh, your parents are going to have to take care of you for the rest of your life. And we came here and during that period, during that transition, all I can really remember is studying so much with my mom. And then when I came here, I started getting 
straight A's. I was on principal honors roll from the very beginning. And I really do think that's a testament to how much America helped me because if I had stayed in that country, they would have put me in special ed and the teachers would have continued to overlook me because the education systems are just so different. And it took me a long time to prove myself to people, but the day that I decided I'm not doing this for anybody but myself is the day that everything almost dissipated in a sense. And I thought, okay, every award, every recognition, anything and everything that I do, regardless of whether I get recognized for it, is something I want to do for myself. And I think that's the mindset really that happened during that transition. And that's what I can remember the most. I don't remember the suitcases in the airport, but I remember the books. I remember my mom. And I remember just telling myself, I am going to be successful. As a seven-year-old, I told my mom, I'm going to get a medal. And that in my mind was, you know, what success was because I was a kid and I kept telling her, I'm going to get a medal. I'm going to get a medal. And eventually it started happening. That's amazing. Like I have, so I've had this conversation with my life coach where we, we work on mindset, right? Okay. What, what, what goes on between your ears has more of a factor in success than anything else. The mm -hmm. fact that you got that at seven, that's crazy to me. Like you probably weren't tying that to what you were doing, but that's what you were doing. Mm -hmm. That's amazing. Like, how, do you have any idea where you got that from? Was that your, it sounds like maybe your mom, like, I don't know. I'm feeling it's my mom too. But the weird thing is, yes, I had that when I was seven. And I think I've always, at 13, I remember, I knew exactly what I wanted to do in terms of college. I started studying for the SAT when I was 13. I was always really weirdly ahead in terms of I just didn't want to wait I had to get out there I had to do things and I'm not really 100% sure where that mindset came from but I really do think it's my mom and my dad as well really just instilled in me like this is an opportunity that you've been given that people die for and I know a lot of us might remember the story of the dad and the daughter who crossed the Rio Grande River and didn't make it and ended up in the banks you know face down the daughter was in his shirt. We all remember that. And that's what I always tell myself, even to my siblings, when sometimes we take advantage of our education and maybe we don't go to class or we don't want to do our homework or we don't do the simple things. I always tell them there are people dying every single day to have the position that you have. And we are lucky enough to have gotten it through a lottery system that people don't get. And that's really what I believe forces me to start early. And even though I'm 19, I wanted to start on LinkedIn right away. And I wanted to get to know people. I wanted to network. And starting early is just my thank you almost, my gratitude to having this opportunity because I know a lot of people don't get it. And I hear the international students right now who are going through such a whirlwind of emotions because their safety in America and their position in America is not guaranteed at the moment. And even though that was rolled back and they're able to stay here now because colleges, regardless of whether they're online or not, they can stay here. That's something that they're going to have to deal with for the rest of time in which they are in America. And seeing that and knowing that a lot of my best friends are international students, I won't have to worry as much as them. And that's what really drives me to start early is don't let the opportunity go wasted in a sense. I have to start now. I have to be thankful for what was given to me. And I think that's how the mindset kind of came to be. Have you ever thought, do you speak in schools, like going into middle schools or high schools? I'm serious. Everyone asks me that. I mean, I've done a couple speeches here and there. 
from seventh grade onwards, but everyone always tells me you should be a speaker. And I'm like, I'm, I'm contemplating it. So we'll see what happens. You should a hundred percent, you know, you, and whether you monetize it or not, you probably could, but um, I think that's what schools at a young age need to teach it's the true. younger. I mean, I'm not even talking about college educated. I'm talking about middle school and high school, that mindset. Cause I think that like to get it early, to get people early into that is huge. So how did you find navigating once you got here middle school once you got into middle school and high school how did you find navigating the United States as an immigrant it was difficult mainly because of the way that I spoke now my parents went above and beyond to make sure that we didn't go to government schools when we were in Sri Lanka because they were less established in a sense so they paid their savings to make sure that we entered into what we call international schools so you train under British curricula now I learned the way you would of course, I had an accent, but I learned British English. So I learned how to spell color differently than Americans. I learned how to spell certain words differently than Americans. And I think the biggest transition as a student in middle and high school was constantly being put down for the way that I spoke, for the way that I enunciated my words, for the way that I wrote, for example. And that was definitely the hardest thing. And I also noticed my name would tend to have people overlook me in a sense. And I got used to going to class and having a substitute teacher or even my teachers skip over it completely. And I'm blessed enough to not even have too much of a difficult ethnic name, but they still didn't give me the time of day to just ask me, okay, where are you from? How do I say your name? And that really started to get to me where I needed to really distinguish myself from everybody else. And the way to do that is I decided to take my speech and the thing that I was being bullied for, and I tried to take that and make it a strength. So I would come home, and as weird as this sounds, people always laugh at me when I say this, but I used to stand in front of the mirror for hours, and I used to talk really fast, and sometimes I still do. So I'd put a pencil in between my lips and try to enunciate my words a little bit more. And my dad and my mom helped me where, because I started feeling really insecure about myself, I started saying um and like a lot to avoid saying words because so many people were bullying me at the time. And my mom and my dad, they would work with me. And every time at the dinner table, at the kitchen, whatever it may be, if I said an um, they'd say a word or they'd snap or they'd ring a bell. And now I can easily speak, I can talk, and I've taken that weakness of mine and made it a strength by working on it. And I know that that sounds so crazy to think you're in middle school, you have a pen in your mouth, you're training yourself um, with a clicker almost to not say these words, but that's what has gotten me to where I am today. And I'm actually really thankful for that transition and that bullying that I faced in terms of my name, in terms of how I spoke, because now I know that even if I do pronounce words, which I do, I do pronounce words differently, I can't and I won't take that as an insult anymore because I know how many hours outside of class, outside of school that I put into perfecting the way that I sound right now, if that makes sense. Totally makes sense. And yeah. again, it goes to mindset, which is huge because mm -hmm. you have taken a situation many would really internalize and maybe carry with them for years, if not decades. And you've taken that and you really use it as fuel to drive yourself forward and make yourself better. 
at such a young age. And I don't hope I'm not sounding condescending when I say that. I'm just in awe because I'm doing, I'm 47 and I'm doing this work in my (laughs) forties. The fact that you did this work uh, so much earlier is I'm utterly amazed and impressed. So I hope that, I hope that doesn't come through as condescending. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, I assumed the bullying continue through high school or did you have that kind of master by the time you reached high school? When I reached high school, I started participating in a lot more that required me to speak. So I went to Model United Nations. I was ASB president and I really started telling people that that wasn't something that you could hold over me. And of course, there were times where they would still bully me if I said a word wrong. And I believe it was especially the number four. I say it a lot better now, but back then I used to say faux, faux, like I just couldn't say it. And they would really put me down in that sense, no matter how much that I, how much I did speak at rallies or at any high school events. And although the bullying continued, because I put myself in Model UN and in ASB and in every single club that you could possibly think of, I gave our graduation speech. I just continued to put myself out there regardless of what people were going to say. And even when I did say my graduation speech, I worked on it so hard and I was booed in front of thousands of people. I was booed and I didn't hear it. And I always like to make that joke. I'm sorry, you can't hear much of the hate when you're on top. I always say that just to keep yourself, you know, calm. But the people who were sitting there, they heard it, that people were booing during my speech. And that really did hurt me, especially knowing that I had worked from middle school to the end of high school. I'm now graduating with my degree, going to a top university, and people are still booing me for the way that I speak. And I speak just as I do right now. So I spoke my speech just the way that you're hearing me. And to have worked so hard outside of school with my parents to make sure that I could speak and to still be booed, that's when I started to realize I can't and I won't let anybody put me down anymore because there will always, always be somebody who boos. There will always be somebody who dislikes the way that you speak. There will always be somebody who says, oh, your voice is annoying. Okay. I am really sorry, maybe I won't talk as much around you, but that's just, everyone will have their personal opinions. And I've started to realize that I don't take personal opinions as something that's right or wrong. Everyone is valid in what they believe and they're, they're, it's okay. It's okay if you believe that I don't speak well or my voice isn't the best or maybe I do pronounce words differently. But if I continue to let that affect me, I don't think I'd be anywhere where I am today. I don't think I could do anything that I'm doing today. And I don't know what the future has in store for me, but if I let that stop me, and if I think about the booze and I think about you know, what people are going to say, I, I quit and that's not something that I do. And I actually have right underneath this camera that I'm talking to you, I have a note that says, I will quit tomorrow. And I always tell myself, I'm not gonna quit today, I'm gonna quit tomorrow. And then I say that every single day, I'm gonna quit tomorrow. And even if it's as something as simple as, a philosophy or a philosopher that I don't understand, I'll just say, I'm just going to keep reading it and I'll quit tomorrow. I'll quit tomorrow. And then that tomorrow never really comes. And that's what really helps me to continue is this idea that don't worry, I'll quit later. Not now. That's love. I I love that. So inspiring. (laughs) And you know, it reminds me of you were just talking, my coach will say, you know, what other people, other people's opinions of you are none of your business. Like, just let it go. 
and focus internally on what's going on. And you have that nailed at 19. So that's awesome. Well, let's, let's not fast forward, but let's go into your college experience, which your college experience, and you're still in it. You're, you're going into your third year of college. Are, is the bullying still there or do you find the university environment more accepting? It's weird because the bullying stopped, but it started in a different way. And I think it really goes in light of all the recent events that are happening because I'm, I'm probably the number one fan of my university. I love it, but we aren't necessarily the most inclusive or the most diverse in America. And that's something you'll find not just at my university, but in a lot of different schools is that they aren't as diverse. And I think for me going into college, I started to realize, wow, I'm actually the only person in this entire hall that looks the way that I do. And that's what really, the bullying started to shift more for more so from the way that I spoke to, wow, now it's the way that I look. And unlike the way that I speak, I can't change the way that I look. So again, I struggled a lot my first six months. I remember calling home a lot my first six months. And I was also first gen and I, had roommates who, when they were struggling, when they didn't know what to do, when they had a social life experience that they wanted to call their parents for, they could easily dial their number on their phone, call their parents and ask for advice. And that's not something that I could ever do. And I remember crying and saying, I need help. I don't know how to do this homework. I don't know how to do this assignment. I don't know what class to take. And I didn't have that support at home in order to do it. But I started to realize that because I can't change my background, because I am going to be first gen and I will be first gen for forever, really, it's not as if my parents will understand what the undergraduate experience is. And because I can't change my skin color, I decided to take a step back towards the end of my freshman year. And I called my mom and I said, I didn't understand why I had been sent to that university or why I chose that university. I was struggling so much being the only person there of color. and. I hated it for the first few months. And then I started to realize this is the perfect opportunity for me to take a step back and understand everything from their point of view. So I started going and I started asking these people, you know, I grew up in Southern California. You grew up in Texas. You grew up in Alabama. You grew up in New York. Talk to me. Talk to me about what you believe, what your background is, um, why you believe the way you do, why you believe I don't belong here. Talk to me and I won't be angry. And that's why I love my university now because I, again, I can't change my skin color, but I can change my mindset as to how I view color. And I told them, you know, sit with me, have lunch with me. I'll pay for lunch, like have a lunch with me and just talk to me. And I started to realize that a majority of us are a byproduct of our environment. And I'm not saying that that is anything that validates the way people treat each other. I think we should treat each other with kindness, but one thing is a lot of us don't listen. We talk, but we don't listen. And I love that university now and I love my college experience because I am one of the few people of color in that campus, but I get to have such incredible conversations with people. And now, regardless of what your religion is, regardless of what your background is, regardless of who you are as a person or what your ethnicity is, I don't judge. And I always tell people, I'm not tolerant of color. I'm not tolerant of religion. I'm welcoming. And that's the difference, is being tolerant versus being welcoming. A lot of us can say, oh, I don't care that you're this, or I, can, I don't care that you're that. Just do whatever you want as long as it doesn't bother me. But at the end of the day, we're all humans. We're all going to bother each other in some <laughs> way, shape, or form. So that's 
why I love the college experience because I finally was able to get away from being bullied about my speech and all of a sudden I had to defend my position. I had to defend my color. And I realized that it's actually not at all a defense. It's really about breaking down that wall, sitting with them and just talking to them. Because I'm a product of my parents who are very liberal, who are immigrants, so who do tend to believe that, you know, it's okay for, we're used to seeing diversity. I mean, we came from a country where if you are white, that's very rare. So for us, it's, it's easy to accept people of color. But on the other hand, if you came from a country or if you came from an area where that wasn't the case, then it's different. And as horrible as it is that some people act so aggressively, it's also the matter of, are you willing to sit down and listen to them without being angry, without using words against them, without yelling at them because, oh, what you said is wrong. This is how you should believe. Ask them why. Ask them about their parents. Um, and that's what I loved about my college experience because even though I had been bullied for the way that I look and I, I've been walking to class and I've been told like, go back to where you come from or I've been called the N-word, sand N-word um, because I'm a little lighter and I'm not African-American nor am I black, but they'll still use those words against me. And for me, that doesn't affect me as much anymore because if anything, I'll just sit down and ask why. And that's why I love my college so much is even though it's so difficult sometimes to be there, it's helped me have an open mind, regardless of anything that's come my way. Um, and I just, I like it. Well, I'm so happy that you're telling your story. I'll have to say as a 47 year old, um, I'm forgiving what generation my generation was. I don't even remember what generation <laughs> I am, but the, you know, there's assumption that the younger generation, the college generation is way more advanced as far as diversity and racism, then they don't have those beliefs, but the fact of the matter, they're still there. And, you know, the fact that you're, yeah. you know, 17, 18, 19, and, and getting that kind of treatment from your peers in 2018 to 2020 boggles my mind. Mm -hmm. So I'm so happy that you shared that. Not that I'm happy you went through it, but I'm so happy that you shared that because we still have a lot of work to do. Uh, you know, on diversity and race and color. And, you know, the fact that you're taking it the way that you're taking it and being proactive about it, I think is such a great example. So I love it. Um, let's pivot to lawyer up, right? So you're now in Pepperdine University, a college student, and let's start a voluntary virtual, what are we calling it? Internship program. Let's just start it. Um, first, let's talk, tell us what exactly it is and then how the hell did you get there? <laughs> All right. So Lawyer Up is a virtual internship program. What we do is we actually bring in lawyers from over 30 sectors of law. So sectors that many of us don't necessarily hear about. We know criminal defense. We know corporate law. We watch it in suits. We watch it in um, how to get away with murder, a lot of the TV shows, but a majority of our students don't necessarily know what disability law is, elder law, special needs law. And I started to realize, how am I supposed to choose my sector of law if I don't know what's available out there? So what we do is we bring students from all over the world and we invite lawyers from every single sector to give us an example, fictitious case as to what they deal with, the type of clients they have, if they have any clients, um, how much time they spend in court, because a majority of us, they 
think, oh, if you're a lawyer, you're in front of a judge speaking and debating and helping your client. That's not necessarily the case. Most of the time, you're not in court. You're actually doing the work that gets you in court in the first place, or you're trying to avoid court if possible and trying to deal with the situation outside of it. So that's what Lawyer Up is. Every single week, we bring in two lawyers from two very different sectors to speak to our students. But then I also decided, yes, okay, we can give them all the information, but then how are they going to get there? So what we also do is on top of those two lawyers, we also bring a legal recruiter or a career coach or somebody who has experience in how to get into that legal field. So whether it's an LSAT coach or if it's a bar exam coach, whatever they need, we also bring them every single week so our students can learn a little bit more about test taking strategies, salary negotiation, resume, CV, LinkedIn, how to network, how to cold message. Honestly, anything and everything that you can think of to get them from where they are right now as a student to where they wanna be, which is a lawyer or attorney or somewhere at a firm as a legal professional. So that's what Lawyer Up really is. And we kept it virtual one, of course, because of the pandemic, but also because a majority of our students they have internships, but these internships don't necessarily teach them what the sector is about. Chances are, especially as an undergraduate, you're scanning documents, you're printing papers, you're maybe fetching coffee. And of course, there's liability reasons for that. They can't just share all the details of the case. But I started to realize if I am going to spend $200,000, $300,000 for law school, maybe I should study a little bit about the legal field. So I decided to create this internship that would allow students to do exactly that. And I remember the day that I posted on LinkedIn, I told my mom and dad, all I need is 12 people. All I need is 12 people. Once I get 12 people, we can get this, like, we can create the internship. And I never ever thought that we would reach more than a thousand interns this year. Um, but even next year, we're anticipating a lot more. We have over 5,000 followers on our social media, and it's just incredible to see how I was expecting a dozen, including myself, to now being at four digits. That's just incredible um, to just even conceptualize. I can't conceptualize how much a thousand people is, but the reason I did that is so many of us don't understand what the legal field really is until it's too late, until we go to law school and we're already in debt. And if there's anything that I've learned from this is the legal field is an incredible field to join, but it's also a difficult field to join, both emotionally and also it's really challenging in terms of how to deal with what a taxing day in the legal field would be. And, you know, I found out that on the back of the bar card that you get, there's actually the Alcoholics Anonymous number because so many lawyers tend to rely on alcohol as their go-to coping mechanism, which completely understandable, but I didn't want that to be the only mechanism that our students would have as they go into the legal field. So we bring in people who have been addicted to Adderall, who have been addicted to alcohol as their coping mechanism, who have used cocaine, for example, to have those spurts of energy to be able to complete their work. And I bring them on because I'm not trying to scare our students, but I want them to see, look, these are the challenges that you're going to face, but there are ways to get through it. There are ways to find those coping mechanisms that will work for you. So we've had a meditation coach on there. We've had a yoga coach on there. We literally bring anything and everything that you can think of to help our students from student to lawyer, if that makes sense. Totally. Well, let me back you up though. How did you even get that, that 
brainchild started? Like, where is that in your head? Do you all of a sudden wake up and be like, I'm going to start a boot camp or virtual networking thing for lawyers? Because you're not even in law school yet. What? How did? How did that? How did that start and get birthed? So I applied. I'm a junior, a rising junior. So I just finished my sophomore year, and I applied for must be around 60 to 100, somewhere around that number internships. And of course, I had been applying since freshman year, but people rejected me saying, you're too young, come back when you're a junior. So I said, okay, fine, I'm almost a junior, let's go ahead and try. And I was worried, I had no internships on my resume, nothing to show people. And thankfully, I was able to get a few internships. And then one by one, they started descending over and over and over again. I thought, okay, I understand safety is more important than just an internship. But then I asked them, okay, I completely understand. I won't be able to come to the office. I won't be able to shadow you in that sense, but is there any way that I can get on a Zoom call with you or maybe shadow one of your meetings to just see what a law firm office looks like? And unfortunately at that point, they weren't willing to do that. And that's when I said, okay, I've just gotten a no, no from the internship and no from just the opportunity to network and talk. And with all of those no's, I said, I cannot do this anymore. I remember going the entire day, I was just moping around the house, like, oh, I lost my internship. I lost my internship. And my mom was like, I'm so tired of hearing that. Just start your own. And I said, oh, okay. And I came back to my desk and I researched how to create your own internship. And this is not new. People have been doing this for quite a while. Instead of having an internship, they will go and network and try to do case studies and prove their worth in another way. And I thought, this is great. Let's do this. So I started researching. I started prepping. I started creating some marketing campaigns. And then what I did was originally it was supposed to be for me. And I realized I'm not the only one who's probably feeling the same way. So I released it on LinkedIn. And it just blew up from there. So really, it was just my mom saying, I'm tired of you speaking about this. Like, go create your own spur of the moment thing. And that's how Lawyer was born. It was 3 a.m. in the morning, actually. I was bothering her while she was asleep. So she was like, I need to sleep. Go away. Um, so I would say the same thing. Believe me. <laughs> so at 3 a.m. in the morning, I started working. I started researching. And then the next two weeks after that, I would wake up early in the morning and I reached out to the top 300 universities in the United States and the, and the top 100 universities in the United Kingdom. So 400 personalized email um, and each university has about two or three law professors. And I reached out to each of them individually. So I must have sent um, a lot of emails. I can't even do the number, but I just remember like, writing and writing and writing for weeks and they started sharing it with their students. And that's how we started to grow. And that's how Lawyer came to be. Honestly, if I, I don't even know how it happened. If anything, 2020 has just flown by like that. We're already in almost in August and it's crazy, honestly. So, but had, the internships that you had applied for and been rejected, were they law internships? So they were okay. all legal internships. And I was so excited because that's exactly the type of internship that you'd want if you are going to go into law school and have that on your law school application. But unfortunately that didn't work out. So you had your eye set on law school before the pandemic, before all this stuff happened. Yeah. You had sent all these, these internship applications out and then you got a bunch of no's and then you got a bunch of no's just on the networking front. So then you just naturally gravitated to do a lawyer-based virtual internship. Yes. Okay. I gotcha. Um, all right. So that's fascinating to me. 
the fact that you are an entrepreneur at, when did you start this? What was the official start date for Lawyer Up? It was April 30th. So you're an entrepreneur in college in a pandemic, <laughs> creating something to fill a need that you yourself yeah. had, but then you saw how you could really help others. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. And I didn't expect it. I, I thought I would help, you know, 11 people and me. And I never expected it to be more than that. And we actually just got the confirmation yesterday because right now we're looking for sponsors because as incredible as it is to host thousands of students, it, it's pretty heavy on a $12 an hour college salary that I don't have anymore because I'm off campus due to the global pandemic. So we finally got confirmation yesterday that we had enough to host Lawyer Up 2021. So we'll be able to help more students next year. And that was, I had a little celebration with my family yesterday too. We had a dinner at home for it and we're just really excited to see what that could be. Well, let me give you a chance to plug that then. If there are people listening that love your story and would love to help you, who are the type of sponsors that that you're attracting or you're trying to attract? Yeah, so we are trying to attract, attack, sorry, attract law firms. I guess I'm talking too much and now I'm mixing up my words, but we're mainly trying to attract law firms, especially law firms who sometimes have difficulty in finding law interns. What we do is we actually have an alumni network for all of our interns who went through this program. And a lot of us, a lot of our law firm sponsors have actually been reaching out to us and for interns and we publicize it among our group so that they have easier access to just a pool of interns when whenever they need it. Some lawyers also needed some additional research on the side, not necessarily for a case, but just something that they wanted to know a little bit more about. Our students have actually completed research for a lot of lawyers as well. So that's who we're really targeting. But as a student myself, I know how difficult it was to create a startup. So my second, I guess, target in a sense would be student startups. I love it when students reach out to me and ask for collabs, ask for a way to do an event together, sponsor something, anything and everything that I can do to help student startups in that regard. That's who we're targeting the most is student startups, doesn't have to be law related, and then law firms, just to give our students a little bit more opportunity. So if you're a lawyer or if you work for a law firm and you need somebody to do some additional research for you on the side or you need an intern by any chance, I guess lawyer up's the way to go. Awesome. Well, and I'm going to give you a chance to drop your contact information later on the show, but I, I want to talk about the, the internship itself. So these, okay. these, these are all law, current law students that are going through your program. Mm-hmm. Is that right? Correct. It's law students and pre-law students. Okay. And the, the goal is to hook them up, to, is to give them these resources and through the webinars that you put on it, but also to hook them up with real life, real world experience. Correct. Yes. Okay. A lot of our speakers will do a call and then they'll go home to about 200, 300, sometimes even more just connections of our students reaching out. And that's another thing that we want to do with Lawyer Up is provide them with the networking ability to just talk to lawyers. And most of us are scared to send a cold message. So if they have somebody face-to-face on a webinar call, the hard part's already done for them. All they have to do is add a quick note and send a connection request. So it really helps in that sense as well. How many internships do you have enrolled or interns do you have enrolled? We have, I believe we're exactly at a thousand because that was our capacity that we had for this year. But hopefully with more sponsorships, we're assuming that we'll be able to do more next year. Are you able to identify one or two things that these interns struggle with the most and then how your program helps them achieve that? Yeah, the first, and I have to say this first, I'd say confidence. A lot of our students feel as if 
one, they can't connect with a lawyer or they cannot connect with a law firm because they don't have enough experience, their LinkedIn profile isn't adequate, if there's blank spaces here and there, they don't know what to put for a headline or for their about story, so they end up not doing it at all. They don't put a profile picture up and they lack that confidence and that self-worth. So what Lawyer Up does is we actually purposely bring career coaches who are known for that engaging personality. For example, Jonathan Javier of One Salting, he was one of our um, speakers and he came on and he, you know, almost challenged our students, said, look, posting on LinkedIn is difficult. It is really difficult, but just post one sentence, even one sentence about what you took away from this call. And in return, you know, you'll have a consultation with me. And he's worked at Google, he's worked at Snapchat. And when we do get speakers, we really vet our speakers to make sure one, they're willing to help. All of our, all of our speakers are thankfully people who sometimes come back for a second call and just talk to them about, look, it's okay if you don't have a legal internship. This is, I didn't have a legal internship. I had a 2.8 when I was in law school and now I'm working for White and Case or I'm working for this or I'm working for that. And that's what really helps our students in a lot of ways is having these people who did fail in a lot of ways, who did not do well in school, who struggled a lot in law school and then seeing them at these big tech companies and seeing them at these gigantic in-house counsels or maybe even a, a top law firm even if they didn't have the numbers to prove it and that's what lawyer up is all about is really bringing people who have had struggles who have had a valid story to tell all of our students and that's not just in terms of okay you failed academically but also personally are you somebody who went through a lot of discrimination as a person of color as a member of the lgbt community that's actually a speaker we have tomorrow about how difficult it is sometimes to be part of that community as a lawyer and I mean, especially with socials, not being able to bring your partner because you think somebody might look at you differently. All of what other people tend to hide in the legal field, we try to bring it to light because everyone's going to have struggles in this world. Everyone is going to have failures, but that doesn't necessarily mean that your story is over. So with Lawyer Up, we bring those lawyers who had those blips in their story and we try to show them, you know, you might have similar ones, but they did it and you can do it. So that's definitely the first thing that we try to do. And the second thing is there's a lack of opportunities, especially for pre-law students. So those in undergrad, because again, I understand liability issues. You might not be able to share case details with somebody who's 18, 19 years old, completely understandable. But how are we supposed to know if law school in the legal field is our career if we don't know what it's about? And especially in the legal field, same thing with the medical field, you want to make sure that these lawyers and these doctors and the frontliners, whatever you want to call it, like they know that this is the career that they want to be in because it's very emotionally taxing. It takes a lot out of you. Sometimes it takes you away from family. You have to make sure they're doing it for the right reasons. So Lawyer Up, we bring people who share their story. Again, we brought actually um, a mom who quit her six-figure salary job at a law firm because they weren't letting her go out for a soccer game to watch her son. Um, and that's a story that we tend to hear, but students don't tend to hear it. So there's a lack of opportunity in understanding what the legal field actually entails. And it's not a bad thing, to be honest. 
it's not a bad thing to let them know, look, there is alcoholism. Some people do get addicted to drugs if they feel like they, their body can't keep up with the 80-hour work weeks. Some people do this. Some people do that. That's not a bad thing to be honest about your field. By no means does that mean that we're putting you down as a lawyer or putting the legal field down. Really, we're trying to prepare the generation of future lawyers to take those challenges and be better at it. So if anything, you're working to strengthen your future lawyers. So people will always be like, oh, I don't know if I want to talk about this or that. And that's totally fine. We would never force you to talk about a certain thing. But do understand that, especially for the younger generation, when you do take the time to talk to a lawyer or a law student or somebody who is rising up in the legal field, being honest about the good and the bad does not necessarily reflect as if you're a bad lawyer in any sense. If anything, that just makes you a better human because you're taking the bad that you experience and you're giving them the mechanisms they need to make it better. And that's something at Lawyer Up that we really, really emphasize is confidence and giving law students the opportunities that they don't get anywhere else. I love that because you can't just talk about the good. You know, the grass isn't always greener. And unless you talk about the weeds on the other side of that fence, no one's ever really going to know if that, that is the right thing for them. And there's no way to change that. Mm -hmm. I think there is the law, law culture, the culture that is what the oldest profession, second oldest profession, I don't even know, that it is so entrenched in tradition and very difficult to change, but it needs a massive makeover. Mm -hmm. And as far as the inclusion of women and minorities and other, it really, for us to be inclusive, it, we really need to look at the, the, all the great things that are part of that culture and all the not so great things. So the fact that you're taking the time to educate the younger generation and they're going to come into this culture potentially with a more robust, well-rounded idea of what that culture should look like and what it does look. That's where change happens. Like, mm -hmm. I think, you know, divert, this is my mindset on, on diversity and inclusion gets better with every generation. As long as the, we take the time to help, and educate the younger generation of what we've done right and what we've done wrong. So mm -hmm. I think that's beautiful. And I also think some of the best lawyers out there are the ones that have fallen flat on their faces. 100% agree. Yeah, you can't, really failure will teach you way more than success. Yeah. Let me tell you, the things that I've messed up in my career, I can remember what I was wearing when, when I did that. You know, that's how crystal clear that memory is. I never made the mistakes again, but it really, it drives a lot of yeah. my failure. My failures drive a lot of, of what's happened in my career. So in mm -hmm. retrospect, I embrace them now. I didn't, wouldn't, I didn't embrace them then. But so to have uh, pre-law really, which is a great target market, pre-law before you're spending all that money, exactly. really do some self-search after you hear all these stories, not that you want to just shame them into not going, but to have them hear all of that really helps make decisions. And I think that clarity is power. I love what you're doing. Thank you. Thank you so much. So I know we have to wrap on, on time. Can okay. you drop a couple nuggets on for either pre-law students wanting to get an inter internship or law students looking to get a job? What are some of the top things that you see that if they stop listening to this podcast right now that they could do? So there's this common quote that goes around where if not 
if, like I said, I've been talking too much that I can't, let me restart. If opportunity doesn't knock, build your own door. And that's something that's thrown around. And I love that quote, but I have started to realize, and I've started to tell people if opportunity doesn't knock, don't wait to just build the door, just bring down the whole wall. So the opportunity doesn't need to knock in the first place. And the way to do that is post on LinkedIn, post what you learned in this podcast, even if it's one thing, tag us. And we'd love to hear what you learned. Um, another thing you can do is reach out to one person on LinkedIn and it's scary. I 100% agree. But just one thing, reach out to one person and say, hi, how are you? How's the pandemic? I've noticed that you've said this in your past post and I absolutely loved it. I absolutely resonated with it. Would love to connect. Just one quick message to one person that you think is not going to accept you. And the truth is, thankfully, LinkedIn doesn't have a, oh, you were denied button. So you never know. You'd probably forget about it. You'd go on your day and chances are it won't be a big deal. But after this podcast, take the time to, you know, post one thing or reach out to one person, because once you put yourself out there, opportunities will start coming your way. You will start to attract it instead of it having to come and find you. Um, in a lot of ways, I think a lot of people wait for opportunities. So we wait for internships to open. We're waiting for all these companies to unfreeze their hiring processes. But truth is, a lot of people are home right now. A lot of people have a little bit extra time right now. So if you don't have an internship, again, don't wait to build a door and have that opportunity come in. Just break down the wall and reach out to 10 people in your field and say, look, I lost my internship. I'd love to get on a call with you and have a 15-minute discussion. And these people are human. You don't necessarily need the full big words and the elaborate professional message necessarily to convince them to speak to you. Of course, be gracious, be kind, but that's not something that you have to do is you don't have to necessarily be the best or in your career to reach out to somebody and ask for a 15 minute conversation. So that's definitely something that I advise you to do, whether you're a pre-law student or a law student who is struggling right now amidst the pandemic, just reach out to somebody, start posting, whether it's a one sentence thing as to this podcast or something that you experience or a webinar that you watch, just put yourself out there because you never know what's going to start coming your way. And also for the lawyers who might be watching out um, or watching this and hearing this podcast, definitely reach out to a law student or reach out to a pre-law student that you have connected with. Say, ask them about their career, what they're interested in doing, what sector they might be interested in. And if that's not your sector, say, I actually know a really good podcast who works in IP law or who works in criminal defense, or I know a really good lawyer. He's actually a great friend. Let me go ask him if maybe he's willing to talk to you. And a lot of us are scared to reach out to you, but you have that power to reach out to us. So don't necessarily wait for the law student or the pre-law student to take that initial jump, because a lot of you might remember how scary that was when you were in their shoes to reach out to a professional. And now that you've made it, and now that you are looking back at your career, like, wow, this is it, like, reach out to us and just give us the time of day if we're scared to do it ourselves. And if people do that, I really do think that that opportunity and that confidence that law students struggle with will really start to dissipate. Well, and I'm a big fan of LinkedIn. I'm on it. I use it as specifically as a tool. And I, I totally agree with you. I think any social media, and especially younger generation knows social media better than anybody. It's just like second hat or second nature for them, but to use it intentionally and use it every day. I, whatever, I'm a big fan of LinkedIn, but if it's YouTube, or Instagram or Twitter or whatever, whatever 
platform you're on. But for me, like if you're going to use LinkedIn, do it every day, do it for 20 to 30 minutes, just like you said, but do the same thing. Consistency mm-hmm. will get you everywhere. Yeah. And I, I, that's a, such a great tip. It, it's such really the only thing that you can do from a networking standpoint right now is social media because the com- conferences are done. Like there, there's no in-person networking. So using social media is really the only thing to do. And LinkedIn is the number one. It's where people go and they expect to network, right? Mm-hmm. Maybe not on Facebook. Maybe they don't expect to, someone to message them on Facebook. But if you message me on LinkedIn, I'm not going to be like, oh my God, I can't believe she's <laughs> messaging me on LinkedIn. No, it's a professional platform. That's what it's there for. So use it. I love that. Um, all right. Well, I know we have to wrap up. Let's two more questions. Okay. One, what resources do you have any, just one or two resources that people could use after this podcast to go to and help them either with the confidence or the networking aspect that you've talked about? Yeah. Um, the resource for networking is difficult because there are such incredible networking platforms. I mentioned Lawyer Up. I mentioned One Salting, for example. But at the end of the day, I think the biggest, the best way to really help with confidence and that networking is to take that initial jump and just reach out to one person. Um, say hi to one person. And if you're not ready to say hi to a professional at the top of their field, start by saying hi to a student that might be above you. So if you're a pre-law student, okay, talk to a graduate student in law school. Or if you're a business undergrad, talk to somebody who's getting their master's in business administration right now. And really take that jump yourself because as incredible as these webinars may be, um, having that one-on-one interaction can never really be be in any sense because you're able to ask the questions right away. But in terms of resources, definitely one salting. I do advise all of you to go check that out, especially if you are a student right now who is struggling with confidence and networking skills. One salting is definitely one of the best resources that I found on LinkedIn as well to follow. And another one is Leg Up Legal, who it I believe it's Angie who You'll, you'll get to know her. She's very famous on LinkedIn as well. But uh, she created a leg up legal platform that allows law students to connect with lawyers and have virtual happy hours on Fridays. And again, you get to talk to them one on one. And don't worry if you're not at that step or that stage in life right now where you can even send that one message. If you're not there, no one can force you to be there. That's okay. But take advantage of the people who are doing the hard work for you. So join Lawyer Up, join Leg Up Legal, join One Salting, because they'll be bringing those people to you and all you have to do is get on a zoom call and listen and talk and that's sometimes the hardest step is done that initial um, message and conversation is taken care of for you so in terms of confidence and networking if you're not at that stage where you can do it yourself people will do it for you it's all about finding those places and I believe lawyer up on salting and leg up legal are definitely great places to start regardless of whether you're interested in the legal field or not that's awesome. I just, I know Angie just wrapped up her uh, two week, I think, boot camp. I don't know if it's a boot camp. And I spoke at it about the importance of video, getting lawyers in, in front of the camera. So great yeah. resource. Um, so that's awesome. Well, tell people how they can find you and how they can get connected with Lawyer Up. Yeah, so you can definitely connect with me on LinkedIn as well. I'm sure that my name will be spelled properly. So exactly how it is spelled on the podcast is exactly how you'll find it on LinkedIn. Same thing with Lawyer Up. It's just Lawyer Up on LinkedIn. Go ahead and follow us. And uh, we, 
or message me if you are having a hard time finding it and I can put you in touch. If you are interested in maybe sponsoring Lawyer Up or getting a little bit more information than what our website or our LinkedIn would offer, you can actually email us at lawyerupinternship at gmail.com. Really straightforward. You can follow us on Instagram at lawyerupinternship or on Facebook if you're using that as well at just lawyer up. And we'd be happy to help you in any regard, whether that's helping publicize your student startup or if you're a lawyer looking to give back. There is a lot of students right now who would really appreciate a mentor or even just 15 minutes of your time to speak. So definitely reach out to me on LinkedIn if possible and follow us on, at lawyer up and we'd be happy to put you in touch. I love it. And definitely reach out to Amisha because I, I just want to, I just want to see what you're going to do. Like, I just want to follow you. And if I lose touch with you, I'm going to check in with you in five years and see, okay, you know, I'll follow up. You, you're, you're probably going to be some state Senator, maybe running for president, who knows, but I, I, I love it. I think it's great. Well, I really appreciate you coming on the podcast. So inspiring and what your mission is, is, is really cool. So I love it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And if you are listening and have not yet subscribed, please hit that subscribe button, give it a rating, a five-star review. I would really, really appreciate it. And make sure you tune in next time. And until then, we will see you on the next Defense Never Rest. <music>